This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. This time of year, I'm always putting decluttering projects on my to-do list, like finally tackling the dresser drawers that won't close or the coat closet where things come down like an avalanche anytime I try to get something out. One way to actually get myself to check off those items is to pair a house purge with an audiobook. Not sure which book to pick to keep you company while you tackle your list? There are so many great new audiobooks out, including Green Dot by Madeline Gray, narrated by Sasha Simon. It's a darkly hilarious millennial coming-of-age story that's perfect for fans of Sloane Crosley. Start listening to Green Dot by Madeline Gray now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today it's such a treat to have debut author Rosie Lee on to discuss one of my favorite recent reads, The Gardens of Eden, a heartwarming Southern story about family and all its many complexities. Past podcast guest KJ Delantonia raves, the surprises and heart in this fast-paced family drama kept me turning pages late into the night, and that was definitely my experience as well. Rosie Lee writes hopeful stories about complicated families and complex friendships. As a native of the West Bank of New Orleans, Louisiana, who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, Rosie's writing is inspired by the people, traditions, and food that anchor her to the South. She enjoys cooking, listening to live music, and occasional bursts of fanatical bargain shopping. Welcome, Rosie. Thank you for being here, and congratulations on The Gardens of Eden. It was such a delightful read, one of my favorites um, of recent months, and I've really been looking forward to getting to hear more about it. Thank you so much, and I'm so glad that you enjoyed the book. I love that so much. Thank you. Yes, it was one of those books where in the final pages, you're like mourning because you have to say bye to the characters, and you've just really enjoyed being with them in their world. So um, yeah, I just loved it. Well, for listeners who haven't gotten to take a peek yet, could you tell us a little bit about the Garden Women and kind of what they're facing at the start of this novel? Sure. So the women are in a place that I think lots of families sometimes are in, where you're kind of tolerating people because you had to, and then something happens and people stop tolerating each other. Um, So we've got Ruth, whose husband Bo has died, um, and she is now at the helm of the family's multi-million dollar peanut business. But her cousins by marriage, Martha and Mary, are not happy about her status in the company um, or really her status in the family or the community. Mary, though, really just wants to run her new restaurant, which serves healthy comfort food. But her sister, Martha, just keeps dragging her into the family drama. And then family matriarch, Naomi, really just wants everyone to get along. But she's tired of being the one to make them get along. So she stops. And all the chaos ensues. I thought the way you portray those family dynamics was so relatable. And (laughs) even, you know, it it was interesting kind of watching some of the characters try to work on things like boundaries and Mm -hmm. talk with their therapist. So many things that I think many of us can probably relate to. And, um, you know, I also just thought it was such a vivid 
setting that I wanted to spend a lot of time in. Can mm-hmm. can you talk about their community a little bit and sort of they almost have like a little compound that they live yes. on as well? Yes, they live on um I like to describe as just kind of a lush, luxurious family estate. But the estate wasn't always so lush and and luxurious. Um their town, it's a fictional town, uh, but their fictional town of Eaton, Georgia was founded by a group of previously enslaved people. And so their ancestors were one of those families um, who founded the city. And so they live on land that their family has owned for generations. And so um, each of the women lives in a a home that's been there for, for years that's just kind of been passed down from generation to generation. And so they all live within walking distance of each other which I think can be a really beautiful thing, or it can just be the setting for mess and drama. So I did a little bit of both, I think, with this book. Yeah, it adds it adds drama and then also just makes it, yeah, very interesting read. And the other thing I thought made me want to spend so much time in this world is you mentioned Mary sort of has her restaurant and even the family business has to do with food. It's a very foodie type book and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Is that, um, you know, food just plays such an important role. Is that something that was important to you at the outset? Are you a big foodie? Well, I'm very much a Southern girl. I've lived in the South all of my life with the exception of of four years. Um, And in the South, you know, life revolves around food, particularly because I'm from New Orleans. So I like to say at breakfast, we plan what we're having for lunch and at lunch we plan (laughs) what we're having for dinner and dinner, we plan breakfast the the next morning. Um, It's just such an important part of life, but also a part of family. And so there's a lot of expression of love through food, a lot of connection to family memories. At least that's just, that's how it is. I, I can't say at least. I mean, it's it's like that in my family, but I think for lots of other families. And so I wanted that to be a, an important theme in the book, too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to read about. Well, I'm interested in what I always love hearing sort of what the initial spark for a book is. Did you mm-hmm. know that right away? Did it take some time to kind of get to the premise for the story? How did this begin for you? Sure. So it started, I think, about, I think I kind of back as about 12 years ago. I was just kind of walking around on on a a family trip. We were at Disney and we, I just walked onto the Universal Studios lot. And for whatever reason, the idea popped in my head, you should write a book about what happens after the stories in the Bible. It really just popped in my head like that. It's really odd because I hadn't been reading anything special or like doing any devotionals about women of the Bible or anything. It just popped in my head. I'd known for many years that I wanted to write a book and just always wondered what it would be about. But I hadn't even been thinking about that, you know, around that time. It just popped in my head. It was it was, I think, very divinely ordered. That's the only way I can explain it. Um, And so for many years, I just kind of sat with it like, well, who will the characters be, um, you know, like which women of the Bible will be kind of the loose inspiration for these characters, but also what will the story be about? Um, And so because I like writing about complicated families and and friendships, it made sense for it to be a a family um, story. And so um, because I just always wondered what happened after the stories told in the Bible, I put it in a contemporary Southern family. 
um, and said, for example, I've just always been really intrigued by if by the story of Ruth and uh, Naomi and thought, you know, okay, in the Bible, Ruth married two cousins. So her first husband died. And back in that time, when your husband died, it was expected for you to marry one of his male family members. But in present day, that might not go over so well, particularly if it's a wealthy family, because then people are like, oh, are you a gold digger or you know what? Um, Frequently, at least that's what can happen. And so that just felt like a lot of drama to unpack and have fun with. So my first step, I think, was deciding on those two characters, but then I had to figure out the, the other two. And quite honestly, it all just took a while. That's so interesting. And, you know, did you, did it take a while to figure out what you wanted or where you wanted to kind of place them and what you wanted kind of the backdrop for these Mm -hmm. stories to be? Yeah. So it took, I, I think I thought about it for a long while. And then when I said, okay, I'm going to really just carve out some time and figure this out with the idea of writing at this given time period. And then things just started coming together just very, very quickly. (laughs) So it was like a bunch of, hmm, for years, I wonder what, or, you know, I wonder what I would do. And then all of a sudden, when I really just focused, I think it was really just about timing, timing in my life. And just, um, I think having gone through enough things, just things that we go through in life, everything lined up. And when it was time for me to sit and write, the ideas just started coming together. Um, And of course, you you know, I had to ask myself questions. Well, what if this or what if that? Um, But also just over the years, I'd wondered, you know, I, I knew about places like Eatonville, Florida and Um, Robert's Settlement um, in Indiana, which were places that previously enslaved people, uh, African-Americans founded. Um, But these cities weren't really allowed to thrive. And so I also just wondered, well, what happened? What would have happened if those cities had been allowed to thrive? Um, and so, because one day I just, I think I was reading something or maybe saw a documentary or something and it made me say, Hmm, that could be an interesting setting for the book. And again, it just went from there. Well, and one of the characters, I didn't realize this until later when I was reading your bio has kind of a a mirror because you are a doctor in your day job as well. And one of the characters is a doctor and we have sort of like a medical you know, storyline and the book as well. And I'm just kind of curious, sort of twofold about bringing that into the book, but also about balancing that very demanding Mm -hmm. day job with bringing a book into the world. Yeah. So because Rosie Lee is a pen name, I like to say that my alter ego is a physician. Um, (laughs) uh, Because just simply there are no state licensure or boards who know who Rosie Lee is. So (laughs) that's just the way I like to say it. But really, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that, because for me, writing about health themes was one of the first reasons that I decided to take uh, writing seriously. So I, I just always loved books as a kid and always wanted to write. Um, but when I decided to go into medicine, um, I thought, well, you know, how do I bridge these two worlds? And so because so much of 
what my alter ego does in her day job is around health education um, and empowering patients to make good decisions and well-informed decisions and and healthy decisions. Um, I'm always looking for ways to um, just make that easier for people. And so I thought, well, I should write fiction with health themes. So I kind of had all these um, different goals that I wanted to accomplish with the book, and they all just kind of came together in that way. But one of the foundational principles was that I wanted there to be health themes in the book. So this book has themes around heart health, mental health, and the connection between them. And as you mentioned, one of the characters is a physician. And so yeah, I did borrow from my uh, personal knowledge of <laughs> what a physician's <laughs> life is like, um, you know, from myself, but also from my my friends, because all, all doctors aren't the same as, as we know. So um, just thinking about different personality traits and how I could exploit them to make a character more more interesting really made this a lot of fun to write. Yeah, and so much fun to read. And even as we're talking, I'm just remembering there's just so many different layers to these characters, to their family dynamic and Mm -hmm. relationships. It's just such a rich story. And, you know, one uh, one layer that I also was drawn to is um, you have some romance in here and even Mm -hmm. some sort of like second chance (laughs) romance, which I um, enjoy. And I'm curious, you you really made us kind of root for some of these characters and the uh-huh. relationships. And I'm wondering how you went about that and kind of what that part of the creative process was like to kind of bring that, those romance storylines to life. Sure. Thank you for that. I totally stumbled into it. Um, I didn't go into it planning to have a romantic storyline at all. It just made sense. Um, so I, I do, I guess what I call like some light plotting of, of my books. Um, but then I like to see also where the story goes. Um, and so it just made sense. You know, it's like always along the way, I'm like, mm, well, what if this, or what if that, or what, you know, just kind of what naturally just might happen, just like things kind of unexpectedly happen in, in life. And for me, that was something that was really surprising because if you'd asked me, I would have thought, oh, no, I know what's going to happen in this book. Oh, no, there won't be any any romance. No, that's not something that I write. It just made sense. And so I went with it. Well, and I guess along with that, too, I liked that even though there is that focus, the other thing that's so rich about these characters, well, the younger generation, is they also just all have these very they're all very passionate about their different career paths. Mm-hmm. And we really get to see that part of them explored. And I really enjoyed that aspect. And mm-hmm. we're kind of even brought into some of their like work problems and things in a very interesting way. And um, I just thought that that made them very interesting, well-rounded women to read about. Um, mm-hmm. Was that important to you to really have these very rich lives to write about for these women? That's funny. I mean, as you're saying it, I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that before. So that tells you the answer (laughs) right there. No, I mean, I think, you know, people always say that when you read a fiction book, you can tell a lot about the the author. And and I'm not one of those people who puts like, you know, my whole life in a in a book. But I think as I was listening to you say that, I was like, well, you know, what I do for a living takes up 
a lot of my time. So I guess, and it, and when I think about my friends, you know, it's, it's the same thing. So I guess it, that would spill over into my characters, but I really hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, it's fun, it's fun to read about. And um, well, I guess I'll just kind of like segue onto that. Something I thought was so great. I forget if I read this on your website or if there was a newsletter, but you talk about celebrating the launch of a book with a book shower, which oh, I just uh-huh. love the idea. Of. <laughs> it's so great. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what you were thinking with that and how it all unfolded? Sure. I hope this catches right. on. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote an article for Writer's Digest called oh, A Book Shower for the Single Woman. Yeah. And so it was inspired by an episode of Sex in the City. Um, and so it's the episode of, if people um, are big Sex in the City fans, it's the episode where um, Carrie goes to a baby shower and her her shoes or her expensive designer shoes are, are stolen. And she freaks out because the the woman uh, whose house it, it was, and you know who's the the mother of the baby, and who's it was it was her her baby shower. She used to be one of Carrie's single friends who was kind of into clothes and spending lots of money on shoes and all these things. But when Carrie's shoes disappear, she's just like, oh well. And so Carrie um, decides she's like, you know, I've spent all this money on people's weddings and showers and all these things over the years. And since I'm unmarried and I don't have kids, like when do I get to enjoy these things? And when do my accomplishments get to be celebrated? You know, even though my accomplishments are different from these traditional ones that that society celebrates in this way. And so she throws herself, well, she sends out an invitation for a shower. And the only thing on the registry is her shoes. And that's how she gets the woman to pay for the shoes. I was really taken with that. So I, um, as someone who's single and and who doesn't have kids, um, you know, I thought, you know, this this book launch, particularly being a, a debut author, is an accomplishment in my life. And um, why not celebrate it with a, a book shower? So I threw myself one. And it was I fun. think it's so great. I, <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, as a parent of, I feel like we, even when kids are growing up, we sort mm-hmm. of sprinkle these messages of like, those are the big celebrations to like have on your horizon, a wedding, mm-hmm. a baby mm-hmm. shower, all of these things. And I'm very careful to not do that with my kids. And they're still very mm-hmm. little, but like, mm-hmm. Why are we not, you know, talking about throwing that big party when they have some big professional accomplishment okay. or like just there's other things to celebrate. And I, I I loved that idea. And it just it makes me feel so much that we should be thinking of other milestones and mm-hmm. other celebrations. And I just really mm-hmm. do not like that you know, those, especially for women become, Mm -hmm. you know, the only times that we're getting together and celebrating somebody. So I I loved that idea. And um, yeah, I think that's so great. I think, you know, I think it's fine to think outside the box and figure out what works for you. You know, I love showers, love them, have thrown them for friends, have been bridesmaids. You know, I really enjoy those things. Um, And so I thought, you know, I want to, I want to do that. And so um, what also was really fun is that my quote unquote registry, um, the only thing on my quote unquote registry was a pre-order of my book. 
And so um, I allowed people to pre-order copies, you know, for themselves. Um, but also if they wanted to donate uh, a pre-order, they could do so. And so what was super exciting is that we were able to donate a total of 72 books to literacy organizations, one in Atlanta and one in New Orleans, because I'm, I'm from New Orleans. That's and so each awesome. organization got 36 books. Thank you. And so that for me was just also another way to kind of spread the love from the shower. Um, and so um, it was, it was great to be able to give those books to the organizations and they were really excited about them. Well, and I'm sure people were so excited to get together and celebrate this and are happy to, you know, pre-order and all of that. So it's just even just creating those opportunities is just great. So I love that. And I love that Sex and the City episode as well. So, <laughs> um, well, the other, with me. I just didn't know why, but now, yeah, I <laughs> now it reappeared. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing I saw when I was kind of just, I think following you online was you had been doing these like book boxes. Is that right? Um, oh could yeah. You, mm-hmm. Did you talk about those? Sure. So, you know, lots of authors or publishing companies um, put out a, a promo box for a book. And so I thought, oh, I'd love to do something like that. But, you know, I try to be environmentally conscious. And so I thought, well, what if I did a box that people wouldn't want to throw out um, instead of the traditional, you know, kind of cardboard box that is printing and pretty pictures and writing and things on the outside. So um, I had a box made that I call a, a keepsake box. So it has a magnetic flap. Um, and then when you open it, it's got... Um, I guess a logo that I, I had done. Um, it's really just a wreath um, that's made of the, the same flowers that are on my book cover. And then um, similar font of my my uh, book title that's on the cover. And that the, the title is in the middle of the wreath. And so when you open the flap, that's there. Um, and then the artwork on the outside, it actually doesn't say the name of the book. It's just I call it wallpaper, but I'm sure there's some other name for it. But it's just the flowers that are from the book spread out across the box, um, but over a black background, which I kind of just stumbled into. I wouldn't have initially thought to use a black background, but it looked really beautiful with the colorful flowers. And so um, it's this, I think, a gorgeous box. And then inside, there's a mug with the same logo, um, you know, the wreath of flowers. It says the Gardens of Eaton, and it's a... Uh, a clear glass mug with a green handle. It's in a, like a rectangular shape. So it's a little bit different than the traditional mugs you would see. And it has a bamboo top um, and also a tea strainer and a tea sample because Naomi drinks hibiscus tea um, in the book. And so it's a tea blend um, actually called Jazzy White um, that has hibiscus in it. And what's really cool is that the company that makes that tea blend is um, based here in Atlanta. It's a family owned company um, that's owned by um, an aunt and daughter. I call them a power duo and they make these fantastic tea blends. And so it's called Jayeta Che uh, Tea Company. Um, And then there's also a peanut log roll, which is made by Stuckey's, which is also uh, a Georgia based company that um, is family owned. Um, and actually what's really cool about it is the granddaughter of the founder a couple years ago bought the majority of the company. And so now she's running it. 
um, and growing the company. So there's a nice parallel there with um, this multi-million dollar peanut um, empire that the Garden family owns. Um, and so that, that company is called Stuckey's, um, by the way. So there's a Stuckey's peanut log roll. So I love the kind of um, what I was able to work out this, the family owned, woman owned um, business focus um, for the treats in my box, I think are a really great compliment for my story. I think that's so great. And I would imagine authors who maybe have books coming out, at at least on the outside, I think we tend to think, well, the publisher will take Mm -hmm. care of things like that. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, often not the case. So kind of taking it on yourself and like not waiting for, for them to do something like that, I think gets me thinking about, you know, in the future of like, oh, maybe I could do a book box someday if I have a book come yeah. out. Like I just think it's a great idea. And um to kind of not wait for, you know, the busy publisher to take the time to do something like that. Seems yeah. smart. You know, I mean I, I, I think all of us would love for our publishing companies to do that because, you know, it took a lot of um planning and strategy and saving for me. Um, to put this box together. But as you read my bio, I, I laugh every time, you know, when people get to the part about um, obsessive, I, I didn't say obsessive bargain shopping, but I forget the phrase I used, but the bargain shop like that, I put a lot of that into play um, with my, my book promotion activities. And it's funny, I wrote this bio like two years ago, I really was just writing about myself and what I like to do. But that trait really came out because you know, I'm not a multi-billion dollar publishing company. (laughs) So I had to be creative with how to source the materials for my box and calling on leaning on people that I know and friends and buying things wholesale and and all sorts of things. Um, Because if the publishing company doesn't do it, then I think, yeah, it does fall to us as authors to figure out what we have the time and financial resources to do. And so everyone doesn't have to do a promo box, um, but it's just about thinking about, you know, what resources you have and how you can use them to help yourself. I love that. And talking about kind of the visuals for the box remind me, reminded me, I wanted to ask, it is such a stunning cover. Um, uh, anybody you. listening, look up the Gardens of Eden, look at that gorgeous <laughs> cover with all the flowers and everything. It's so beautiful. And I wondered if that, took a long time to get to? Did you get to have some feedback with the cover? What was that process like? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, it it was a bit of a process. Um, I had a vision for a cover. And I had like, I'd been collecting images on a Pinterest board for, I don't know, a long time, a couple years, maybe, um, because I did have a very clear vision. And um, what the publishing company came up with was not exactly aligned with my vision, but they asked for my feedback. So I gave it. And I think we ended up with a cover that really works. Um, And so for me, every time someone tells me that they love the cover, like my, my heart, like just skips a few beats in a good way um, because we did go through a lot for that cover. Um, And I was really intentional about it representing my love for flowers, but also reflecting um, kind of this this floral theme with the the title of the book, you know, the gardens and the, the fact that it's a play on 
the Garden of Eden. Um, but I also wanted it to really reflect kind of the personalities of the women, but really the family. Because to me, the the main character of this book is the family. Mm, um, yeah. And so just like I was very picky about the flowers that I wanted and I didn't get the exact ones that I wanted. But again, I think we landed in a place that really works. And and what really made me happy is that I could really take that and run with it for um, my my book promotion because pretty things um, are important to me. I, I like pretty things. You know, they make life fun. Me so. too. <laughs> yeah, it's just gorgeous. It's the kind of book that you want to make sure is like facing out on your bookshelf so you can oh, you. look at the cover. It's just so lush and and beautiful. Um, I love when people get it. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, you know, I I know this just came out, but I am already clamoring for what is coming next. And I ah. wondered, is it still very early days? Are you able to say anything about it? Oh, no, book? I can. Yeah, I can say. So I'm super excited that um, the Gardens of Eden will be a series. So book oh. two in the series, and it's called the Gardens of Eden series. So uh, book two comes out spring 2025. I can't I say very that. much more about it, but yeah, it comes out in the spring. And I think uh, I can, I'll, I hope it's okay to say, I'm really, we're really going to play with the, what types of things happen in the spring. That is so exciting. So that'll, that'll be my teaser. Hopefully that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So when I was sad, I was saying goodbye to the characters. It was not really goodbye. That's exciting. Ah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that, that makes me very happy. I'll be very happy to return back to this world. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, lastly, I just always love to hear what books authors have been enjoying recently as readers. Is there anything you want to share that you've read and really um, want to recommend? Sure. So yeah, I am excited about um, a book called Dysfunction Junction is by Robin W. Pearson. It came out um, a couple weeks ago um, in early February. And what was really surprising to me is it has similar themes around family and forgiveness. Um, And so Robin and I really have both marveled that we did not talk to each other at all as we were writing these books, (laughs) but they're very similar, similar themes. Um, So I think if people are looking for a book that's similar, but not exactly the same um, as The Gardens of Eden, that's one to, to think about. Well, I will definitely link to that and I'll be looking it up as well. And um, Rosie, just congratulations on the Gardens of Eden. You have made my week by telling me that there are going to be more in this (laughs) series. I can't wait to return to these characters and um, best of luck with all your promotion and everything. And it's just been so much fun getting to talk with you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.